We have around roughly 2.1 million elevators in our portfolio and one third of our elevators connected with the help of these edge devices which can communicate to the controllers and perform the data extraction and share that to cloud. Today we're talking about IoT, digital transformation, in relation to elevators. That's Ezhil Nanjapan, Chief Technology Officer of Otis. Otis is the world's leading elevator, escalator, manufacturing, installation, and service company. We maintain more than 2.1 million elevators worldwide, and we move 2 billion people a day. That means we safely move the equivalent of the entire world's population every four days. Give us some insight into the kinds of technologies that are embedded in elevators and escalators. It's in a 170-year-old company. There have been a ton of evolutions along the way. So if you think back 40 years, we launched the first remote elevator monitoring. Coming back where we have the electromechanical equipment, where we have the controllers, drives, and we are able to communicate that and get that information and monitor that remotely and diagnose certain service activities by not being on site. As technology evolves, we are able to take the data, analyze the data, and able to predict insights and then decide what are the areas of tasks we need to perform in the job site. As we progress, the technology in the elevator also evolved over a period of time. So we have elevators, which you probably heard about. It's run traditionally with rope. We changed that into belt, and we were the number one company to be a belt. It's Gen 2, which we launched in a 2000. And then also we evolved from a technology side in the electromechanical equipment, and we make it more into where we are able to remotely access and perform most of the activities. So that's the evolution we are going through from an elevator technology side. So elevators are electromechanical devices and you are enabling them in order to share data, collect data. So tell us about, about that. From the electromechanical equipments, we need to get the data from different places. One, from the controllers, two, from the drivers, and three, from the door performance. So we put an edge computing device. We are able to aggregate the data from the controllers, drive logs, and the door performance. Along with that, we added sensors to capture the door vibrations, the door noise, and process the data in a central cloud environment and take insights associated to that to share with our customers as well as to our internal personas like our call centers as well as our field technicians. It's very interesting to look at elevators as essentially being edge computing devices, as you were just describing. That's right. And tell us about the kinds of data that you collect. You mentioned, you mentioned a few things, but dive in a little bit more to the data aspect. Let's start with the controllers. So in controllers, we capture certain data types, which explains about the state of the elevator, 
and also in which landing floor right now the elevator is whether it is in a door open or a door closed state and also if we take the sensors sitting on the top of the door elevators we are able to capture the noise and vibrations along with that the controllers maintain certain type of logs we call that drive logs event logs we bring we aggregate the data in the edge device and then we share that data in a certain frequency to the cloud environment and then we store that in our data lake process the data and then make that available to our downstream applications these are iot devices then so the elevators are really part of the internet of things is that a correct way to describe it we call it as an elevator as a service but basically we connect our edge devices to our controllers and then there is an edge device which transmits the data from the elevator to the cloud from a business standpoint what's the purpose of doing this you mentioned transformation as one of the the foundation elements of your of your work one to drive our service growth as i mentioned earlier we have roughly 2.1 million units in our portfolio so we want to grow our service portfolio two is to increase our pricing three being the customer loyalty while making what is more competitive against our independent service provider so just a data point at the end of 2021 about one third of our global units were connected and we plan to accelerate the deployment over a period of time how does the data make that leap to supporting the business goals now i'm going to drive into the downstream applications so as we walk through the scenario from the controller or the electromechanical equipments with the edge devices we are able to transfer the data to cloud so now let's talk about the data there as i mentioned earlier we bring all the data and store that as part of our data lake so the data lake builds the foundation for actionable outputs for a real time performance information proactive communication as well as predictive insights so let's take few personas one our external customers so what they care about is what's the state of the elevator whether it's healthy or not whether the performance of the elevator is as expected and what are all the previous maintenance tasks or activities performed is it on time so that's from a customer point of view now if you expand the customer to like a skyscraper or a university where you have a campus where instead of seeing each and every elevator health they can live, use our customer portal application they can see the entire health of the campus and then they are able to double click and drill down to a specific elevator in the specific building that's our external customer customer persona now let's take the second persona which is our internal which is call centers or we call it as an otis line users internally where they receive the call from a customer when there is an issue with the elevator or performance issues with the elevator so with this information what we bring to cloud with the edge devices our customers and our otis line users are able to see real time what is the state of the elevator like for example you are a customer of a building and say it's not working and if you're in, in call with our otis line users they can literally see what is in which floor the elevator was 2 minutes prior or 5 minutes prior 
and also they are able to see what kind of error types generated from the elevator. So this will enable them to perform two operations. One, they can they try they can troubleshoot by themselves with certain conditions and safety rules. Two, they can pass this information to our remote experts who are trained enough and skilled enough where they can remotely access the elevator and perform certain operations under safety conditions. And then if you're unable to resolve the problem, that brings the fourth persona, which is our field technicians, where they dispatch to our field technicians. But at the same time, with the, using the technology, we build applications and apps for our field technicians. They can see from their phone for their buildings, which are associated to that, what is the health of the elevator? What is the issue in the elevator? Based on that, they get prepared if there is a parts replacement is required or if there are certain steps what they need to perform, then the app will guide through the steps to address the issues. So like this, all these downstream applications are supporting our key for four personas, external customers, what is line or call center users, remote experts, and our field technicians. How do you enable all of these elevators, many of which have been in service for decades probably? We have around roughly 2.1 million elevators in our portfolio. So we, are, we have taken certain processes and steps by regions, by country specific, and one third of our elevators connected with the help of these edge devices, which can communicate to the controllers and perform the data extraction and share that to cloud. So the roadmap what we have is based on the controller types, and based on the deployment process, we will try to extend the portfolio of connected units over a period of time. What does this all do to the relationship that you have with your customers, uh, enabling this kind of data? The customers could be a building owner or a, a builder who's building a skyscrapers, or there are you know, residential elevators as having residential owners, or the customer types can be in airport authority or subway stations, X, Y, Z. So if you take this and if you put the customer segmentations, there are customers at high-rise buildings, they carry information like either available real-time, either using their apps or the applications, and also, they care about integrating the data into their building management system. So we have the solutions which allow them to extend our cloud-based API to integrate to the building management systems. And if you take the other set of customer segmentations, as I said, the residential owners, they care, there might be tenants living there, or it could be an office building where they care about the performance of the elevator where we want to show a real time the health and status to the building owner or the building manager. If you take other set of customers, like if you take a university campus, schools, so the, the campus owner should have a visibility on the state of the elevators. So that's where we enable the solution using our customer portal solution where they can see the campus view and then they can go to a specific building to see the health of the elevator or they can go to the specific unit or the elevator to see the health of data. So that's how we are sharing the information to our customers. And you mentioned earlier predictive maintenance on the basis of that data. Can you tell us about that? Two areas where we focus on it. So if we take um, probably, uh, I'm sure we all met on that, uh, 
we try to keep the door open for a certain period of time to move a piece of furniture. So it's difficult to predict these kind of scenarios over here. So over a period of time, the performance of the doors may get degraded. So if, we, if you're able to detect that data using sensors and bring the data to the cloud environment, which is our data lake, where we are able to process the, the historical data and the real-time data coming from the elevator, and then we are able to perform certain predictive insights. Like, for example, if, if a technician has scheduled visit to go and perform a door maintenance, and if the health of the door in a particular landing floor, or if the health of the door in the entire, if it's a four floors, all the floors looks good, then there is an opportunity to optimize that maintenance task. Whereas if a specific door, based on the predictive maintenance, if you're able to see an issue there, then that can be an additional task for our field technicians to go and perform actions and take care of it. So that's how we are using our, our data using predictive maintenance. Subscribe to our newsletter. Hit the subscribe button at the top of our website and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel because we can notify you of upcoming live shows. So this presence of the, the technology and then the data that results enables you to provide better customer service and really in some ways change the business model, the, the core relationship between Otis and its customers. I'd like to share an example here. When one fine morning in one of the hospital, uh, the elevator for, to the surgery room was, was shut down or it was not working. Based using this technology, what I outlined earlier, our technician was able to see that information. And then he's in order to take a proactive action there. So he decided and he went to the job site and he was in the front of the building lobby and talking to the front per lobby person saying that the elevator going to the surgery theater or room is not working. And it was a surprise for them to know, first of all, how we are able to find out remotely. And two, he are able to, he's able to show using the app that this is the problem happening in that elevator, so we need to go and take care of it. So it happens to be he went there, able to solve the problem on a timely manner. This brings you know customer satisfaction as well as the stickiness to the customer and transparency to the customers, like what we are doing in order to fix or maintain the elevators there. The transformation inside Otis also must be significant because you have lots of repair technicians and they're used to doing things differently, right? They show up and they physically look at the electromechanical device. And now you're asking them to relate to this piece of equipment in a very different way. One of the areas where you will see the most transformation for us is in our field professionals. We developed a, a group of business applications for our field technicians to perform certain operations in an optimum manner in the job site. I would like to highlight one of the applications. It's called the Tune App. Basically, this app leverage the built-in sensors and detect the level of noise and vibration. And with that data, we leverage artificial intelligence and machine learning to recommend specific actions to our field technicians. So like, for example, if you want to do a floor-to-floor -floor test or a door cycle or a brake test, they are able to, show, able to perform all these things with the app on their devices.
So that's a huge transformation we went through with our service technicians. It sounds like Otis has had to go through, of course, many different transformations over time. Where do you see this technology going? You may see or heard about service robots helping with security or making food deliverables. We are now partnering with robot companies and we are communicating directly with elevators, the electromechanical equipment, and then able to perform access controls autonomously. So that's a big game changer for us. So you'll, you'll be able to see that the elevators and one fine day maybe elevators holding a door for you to go to a, and then the, the robots are helping the elevators to hold the doors as well. So it'll be deployed in hospitals and universities in a lot more areas. I'm assuming that you must have, uh, your, your team must include uh, software de designers, developers, of course, but also the folks who are developing the electromechanical aspects, because after all, elevators, despite being enabled with all this technology, they still have, they're still mechanical devices at the end of the day. Yes, there are. We have our engineering team members. We partner together. We work very closely in the technology transformation where we extend or enable or transform the electromechanical equipment along with you know, the software development and helps us to blend together to achieve the end-to-end -end connectivity as well as transform our business. We have an interesting question from Twitter from Arsalan Khan. Arsalan is a regular listener. He always asks the best questions. And he asks this, he says, has your digital transformation effort led to new revenue streams? And here's another interesting aspect. How did you convince the executives and the frontline folks that this massive change is good for everyone? It's a journey for us. Um, as I said, service business is strong for us and we have 2.1 million elevators in our portfolio. So the, the transformation journey is, as I said earlier, we want to be transparent to the customers performing insights to it. So when we put together approach and strategy, we look into the list of areas and then the customer feedback. The key thing customers looking for is uptime of their elevators, minimize their plan shutdown time. So we have taken that into consideration and then see the current state and then the current maintenance tasks what we have we combine that together and then how we can enable technology end to end in order to achieve the customer requirements, also in order to be transparent to our customers as well. So that's how we evolve. And then while we are going through this from a technology side, we want to make sure we scaled up the architecture in a manner which can support this from an end to end point of view. Right from an edge device or edge computing can get the required information or the key information to support the need what customers are looking for, as well as the other personas, whatever I outline. And then bring the data to cloud to support the downstream applications. So when we create the strategy and the approach, we took this holistic view from a business point of view, customer expectations, as well as from the internal productivity and efficiency perspective, then we created the structure, how we can move forward in that. So that's the approach we have taken and we're able to move forward with this. I think about that kind of change and it's such a massive technology shift because I'm just imagining here's, here's Otis building these, these large machines 
very heavy machines. And now you're not only in the machine business, but you're in absolutely the software business, building APIs and so forth, as well as the data business. And the shift is just completely massive. So as we are able to bring the data into our data lake, we can make this data to perform insights. At the same time, we can make the data available to our customers. That's where we evolve the journey of cloud-based APIs. And then that enables a couple of things. One, as I said, the high-end customer segment, they may be looking for the information to integrate into that building management system. So we are able to have the data and the API as a service available, which will enable a new line of business for us. That's one area. Two, as I mentioned about the robots, where we are working with the partners, and then we can enable, extend the API services, what we have it to take it forward. At the same time, with the insights and predictive maintenance, we are able to increase our productivity because before going to the job site, me as a technician, I can see what is happening in the elevator and I can decide, do I need a part to go and fix the problem or can I fix it with the list of steps what I need to perform from a parameter side. So we focused on as exactly what I said on the top line business growth, at the same time, how we can increase our internal productivity. So there's real value to not just the customer, but also from an efficiency standpoint to the service, to the frontline service technicians themselves, which then encourages them to make that adoption, to make that change. Absolutely, yes. So it seems like that's also a very important part of this. I know when I talk with other business leaders, the culture change aspect of digital transformation always seems to be the most challenging. As you know, like we went through this journey like five years before we start with our service transformation journey with our field technicians. Uh, but the approach we have taken there is, um, uh, you know, it's not, we're trying to transform the entire end-to-end -end overnight. So we, we did a lot of ride-alongs with our technicians. We are able to identify the areas of opportunities where we can improve upon. And then we want to build on an incremental phase. So in order to do that, from a technology side, we need to make sure the architecture can scale up and support that. So that's the parallel activity with my team. We are able to implement that along with the business team where we took key areas, how we can implement, and then this, the, the development cycle we want to optimize as well. So we went through a process where it's a, it's a standard process now pretty much, but it is you have a workshop for a couple of days, standardize the end-to-end -end steps, what we need to perform on the job site, and then we build apps in a 12 to 14 weeks period of time and make it available for our champions team who can deploy it in the job site and get the input and feedback, and then we increment by adding additional enhancements. So that's the journey we went through it. And then there are, we are able to see the benefits over there from a productivity and the opportunities. And then by having the connected elevators, the Otis One program, we are able to support other personas, including our external customers. Can you tell us about the composition of your team? I'm so interested in this because, again, you know, if it, when talking with somebody who works at a software company, it's pretty clear what the team will need to consist of, at least generally. But Otis is so unusual in having both this very strong hardware as well as the software aspect. 
from a software side, we are transforming into a standards of DevSecOps. So we have been, we start the transformation journey. We start with DevOps as a standard practice. And then there is a training and change management, which we went through internally. So we have a business partners acting as a product managers, and then we have a technical team acting as a technical product managers. So we combine and work together. So we go through the standard agile process over here. But I just want to highlight a couple of key points. Uh, last year, uh, we touched almost 15,000 story points from a development point of view. So the story point, as you know, a few story points combined together enable a future sets from an agile development methodology. So we are able to accelerate to that volume by establishing standard development methodology, common tech stack, and leveraging the cloud native services in order to accelerate our development. Kastuba Bhattacharya asks, he says, elevators are mostly public utilities. How do you really measure the user experience of lifts using data? That's a really interesting question. By putting that edge devices connecting to our controllers, we are able to measure the performance of the elevator. Having sensors, we are able to measure the performance of the door at the landing floors and respective floors. We, we do not capture any of the, uh, from a privacy and requirements point of view, people movement and other things at this point of time, but we do track the informations coming out of the drives, controls, and other things, and we are able to make it available to our customers. Correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like is a, a, a function of measuring the me elevator performance metrics Things like, is the, are the doors closing rapidly? Things like that, is that correct? Yes, and then if we take a particular customer segment, if probably you might have noticed, we started deploying a screen inside the elevator. So the passengers and riders, they can see the content like any live news, music, songs, and other things. And also it displays the position indicator of the elevator movement. There's a lot of other initiatives we have it in our roadmap from enhancing the user experience point of view beyond the aesthetics and the screen inside the car or inside the elevators. That's in our roadmap. Uh, we are going through that. And this is from Matt Wood. And Matt says he knows that Rolls-Royce engines have a control room monitoring the status of every jet engine globally from a central control center in the UK. They know which ones are at different stages of their flights, the maintenance stats, and so forth. And he says, in a sense, elevators, lifts are similar to jet engines, although not quite so life critical. Do you see such functionality for lifts, that kind of control room monitoring, the ability to drill down to the individual elevator? We do have our Otis line or call centers at the, at the regional and the country level where they are able to see the portfolio of units is deployed or installed in that particular country. And in addition to that, our field technicians are assigned with a certain set of units and they can see that in their mobile devices using the apps what we build. From a control center point of view, at this point of time, we are leveraging the this line or the call center uses where they can see the visibility of the elevators in that particular country, but not like Rolls-Royce sitting in the UK and see the entire thing. We're not there yet. Let's jump over to Twitter 
And Elizabeth Shaw has a question and she says, there's scaling of the technology architecture. How do you scale the human part of the equation? On the scaling of the technology architecture, if you say it, um, it's, it's running as 100% cloud native applications in our data lake. So we are able to scale up the architecture to support millions of messages coming from all these elevators in a day from a human part to it. So, you know, like you and me, we are the riders or passengers of the elevator. And we, we received, based on our interview and discussions with the customers, a lot of feedback on the things what we can build upon and enhance to it. Like take an example, if it's in a subway or a train station, we know at 4 p.m. there is sort of four or five tracks trains are going to come and stop there which means are we able to put in a logic where we can park all the elevators in a place where they're able to get into the elevators and reach their destination in a shortest wait period of time. So that's the kind of things we are working on it, putting in automatic logic and then the machine learning on top of it so it minimizes the wait time. So it, from a human part point of view, based on the, the, the density and the areas where we're going to work on then in some areas, if we take smart cities, there is a you know traffic movement where we can capture. If it's a public places like malls and other things, we can get the data and the usage. We know in the month of August, the usage has gone down. So we can see, okay, let's park the few elevators because the volume has gone down. Whereas in the month of November and December, the usage is going to be much higher on shopping and other things. So let's make this. So these are the kind of things we are working on it and it's been deployed in few areas. So we are piloting and getting feedback. So that's how we are doing it from a human part. But there's a lot of things we have it in our pipeline as a roadmap, which will continue on this journey. I suppose once you have this body of data and you've created the technology that allows you to analyze it, then your, your ability to do product developments is limited really by your imagination, by what your customers need, tell you. Correct. Over a period of time, we are able to aggregate and process the data. It helps us to perform an optimum insights on the usage, number of runs. We can sit here and we can see in a building what's the usage and number of runs. And then also we can we are able to see the usage over a period of time. And I just want to give you some few data points there. As you know, during COVID time, the usage in the public place has gone down. We see that. And then as you see, you know, towards the end of pandemic, we see the usage going up in across all areas. So we see the growth rate growing from 5%, 7%, 10%, so on, so on. And this is from Arsalan Khan. He asked another really, really good question here. And he says, how did you invite or convince the business folks to be collaborative when it comes to learning about innovations inside and outside the company, and then actually executing and implementing those innovations. We co-partner, we work together business. If you take business, there are certain field team members, marketing and sales. We are all together as one team, along with DT and engineering. So when we create the strategy, when we try to decide the list of functionalities and priorities, what we want to implement, we combine together with the help of product management and we define the priorities and we set the expectation by implementing or enabling this future. This is the ROI 
are the, the benefits we can see it or the transparency of data which we can share with the customers. So we go through that process and then we put that into our, you know, from an agile development methodology point of view into our program increment plan. And we take that, we perform that on a monthly basis. So that's how we work together as one team and we all know what functionalities we are going to enable and when it is going to be available to pilot in the field. You have a fairly formalized methodology or approach for aligning uh, technology innovation with uh, business goals. That's right. Every functionality is tied with the business priorities and business opportunities. So when we align it, when we if we discuss on a particular future or an enhancement, we align end-to-end across business team members, product management, on the technical team, those who are working on executing that functionality. I have to ask you this. The Does the close button actually do anything on an elevator? No, it does not. The, I mean, it, it does close the elevator, but it is not just, you know, sometimes you can see some locations where people, I mean, it takes like, less than three seconds. But then, you know, obviously sometimes, you know, people try to press multiple times in order to close it. But there is a certain conditions we put in place when to close it. That's due to certain safety conditions and, you know, the leveling floor in the particular landing floor as well. Since you're willing to share with us the deep secrets of elevators, how how do you make sure elevators don't fall? It's coming from Elisha Otis, 170 years before. That is the first time he demonstrated in Bronx that uh, it was in a rope. So by cutting a rope where the elevator stopped there with the brakes and police were established. So as we developed from there, you know, as we went into the, the rope in the high-risk buildings, there are a lot of controls and brakes put in place in our system, even if it travels at the speed of three meters per second to eight meters per second, that brakes and controls are put in place. And then that's how you are able to land in a specific floor, whatever the speed of the elevator is. And then we extend and expand that into a lot more. So which is, you know, you can see the landing in, a, if you go to a high rise building, even if you go 80 floors or 90 floors, you won't see the vibrations and noise. So the way in which we put the ropes and then the brakes associated to that and the controls associated to it in such a manner where the riders and passengers won't see any difference that they're moving in and six meters per second or eight meters per second. So you're constantly monitoring that set of data as well. Yes, now we start populating the rope performance and other data as it is in our roadmap to add that. So it'll bring additional opportunities for us as well. Okay, we have another question from LinkedIn, and this is again from Kastuba Bhattacharya, and he raises an interesting point. He says, in his experience, the biggest problem with elevators is housekeeping, not cleaning them on time. Maybe it smells because of their damp lifts. And it's not, he, he says, it's, he knows it's not an issue with the elevator manufacturer, but it ruins the overall elevator customer experience. And so to maintain the brand image of Otis, do you look at those non-technology aspects and try to think how to make the elevator a better place, a better environment? As there is no visibility to get that information. But now, 
with our sales supervisors, service supervisors, and our field technicians, they visit the job sites and customers in a regular frequency in a certain interval. So during that time, there are certain things which we enable in an app format, which is to perform some level of audit. That audit includes safety, performance, cleanliness as well. So with that, we are able to collect that information and process that information and see certain things are responsible for us to take care, certain things are responsible for our customers to take care. So we, we share that information in full transparency, what we are going to do on the job site as well as what our customers are going to do in the job site. So that has been deployed in progress as well. But if it is a specific customers, I'll get some more information and then we'll go. I'll, I'll take a look into it and see how we can help over there. We have an, a really excellent question from, on LinkedIn from Mark Brewer, and he's VP of Service Industries at IFS. And I'll say, uh, Mark, we had your CEO as a guest on CXO Talk. Just search for IFS on our website. And here's his question. He says, where are you on your predictive maintenance journey? Are you using AI and machine learning today to accomplish this? So with the data, what we're collecting from our edge devices, as well as you know, with the sensors, what we have on the door performance, we bring that and then we have AI and ML and where we are able to predict the door performance. I was answering to the other question and we are able to see is the landing floor is in, in, in line with what we're looking from the standard tasks point of view or are there any tasks we need to perform based on the on the landing floor performance or the door performance. So that kind of a prediction, we are making it available to our field technicians, and then it triggered that as a task for them. So it'll allow them to make sure that include as part of their next visit. So, so that's where we are using our predictive. And also in addition to that, the key thing is we want to get the feedback because we need to have an, a closed loop process in order to make sure the AI or ML model, what we build has been enhanced and then extended. So we get the feedback from our technicians and insert that. So that way we can make our our machine learning and then the the models of what we developed enhance over a period of time in order to be precise from a precision and then accuracy point of view as well. So that's the journey we are going through internally. We have another question from Twitter, and this is again from Elizabeth Shaw who says, how much can the CTO control elevator system design, given the fact that you are, she's making the assumption, integrating a large number of components and systems from outside vendors. We have our engineering team and we work very closely together as a one team. So from uh, like when we get, there are certain parts and other things, yes, it comes from the external vendors, but then when we put together from a controller point of view, drives and other things, that is coming from our team. So from a DT or a CTO perspective, we work closely with our engineering team members, the data types, the normalization of the data, what do we need to bring and make that available in the edge device before we surface back to the cloud for the downstream applications, we work together as a one team. So the level of involvement at the controller level, the drives and other things are as in a one team, we work together. Any final thoughts on the future of elevators and where the digital transformation of uh, Otis is headed. 
from a future perspective, there are a few areas we touched upon. One about the robots, building management, integrations. And from a technology side, the, the areas where we are working on, one, as we discussed earlier about the cloud API, and then also the data in the cloud enable us to do the predictive maintenance. In addition to that, the cloud transformation is a key thing for us, which is we are going through in our journey. At, at the same time, serverless architecture is the other area where we, we are focusing on. And in, in future state, uh, we could involve some advanced training methods or safety measures um, using VR, AR. So that will help us to optimize and train from a safety point of view for our field technicians and other things. So these are all the things we are evaluating from a technology side. So there's a lot going on, and it's 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 a very interesting journey. And um, and uh, I'm sure at some time in the future when we discuss, we'll share more about the the amount of transformation what we, we performed at the time. All right. Well, with that, it's been a very fast conversation. A huge thank you to Ezhil Nanjapan. He is the chief technology officer of the Otis Elevator Company. Ezhil, really thank you. I'm very grateful for your taking the time and sharing with us today. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you for me here. And a huge thank you to everybody who watched, especially to those folks who asked such excellent questions. You guys really are such a smart, intelligent, sophisticated audience. I love your questions. Always keep those questions coming. Before you go, subscribe to our newsletter. Hit the subscribe button at the top of our website and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel because we can notify you of upcoming live shows where you can again jump in and ask your questions. Thanks so much, everybody. I hope you have a great day and check out CXOTalk.com. We'll see you soon.